I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Uh, I woke up this morning so excited. In fact, just five minutes ago, I was so excited. Fifteen minutes ago. I've been excited all day. Why? Well, because as I have been ranting and raving about history in the making, the weather has a different plan. Breaking news. I got some breaking news. The decision has been made to scrub the launch. The SpaceX... Collaboration between NASA today will not be happening. In just a moment, we'll be hearing from ABC's Mark Remillard, who will give us an update in about 45 seconds about exactly why the launch has been scrubbed. It was only 15 minutes ago that we heard the first decision made that the weather looked good. Somehow that weather has dramatically changed, and it's done so very, very quickly. And uh, as I said, in a moment, we're going to get a more thorough understanding and explanation of exactly what is happening at the, the Kennedy Space Center and when, if, if when is in fact on the horizon, when this rocket will be able to launch. Some earlier readings of mine today said that maybe Saturday uh, there'll be a window for, for a launch, and maybe we can make that history on Saturday. Uh, right now, though, let's go to ABC's Mark Remillard with an update on the decision to scrub the launch. A no-go for launch. Today's planned launch of two American astronauts from Cape Canaveral has been scrubbed. The word came as astronauts Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley were already strapped into the space capsule and the hatch was closed. Today's launch was set to be an important milestone in the future of U.S. space travel and the commercial space industry as well, but it'll have to wait. When President John F. Kennedy talked about space travel in 1962, it was with a sense of wonder bordering on romance. The eyes of the world... Now look into space, to the moon, and to the planets beyond. In 2020, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine's goal is the monetization of space. We envision a future where low-Earth orbit is entirely commercialized. Jim Ryan, ABC News. With the cancellation of today's launch, that means the next attempt will be this Saturday at 3.22 p.m. Eastern. Should there be an issue with that launch window, NASA and SpaceX have also planned a window on Sunday, May 31st. Mark Remillard, ABC News. All right, so there's the news, folks. But listen, we can still be optimistic. Uh, I lament, though, I lament the tragic fact that if it is, in fact, a go on Saturday, that you and I won't be here to enjoy it together. I was looking forward to uh, sharing this experience with you. But listen, it, it doesn't change the historic nature of this event at all. It is still a massive, massive endeavor in human ingenuity and also a testament to the private sector, 
This is not only the first time that uh, a U.S. team will launch a U.S. rocket into space from U.S. soil in almost a decade, first time since the shuttle program came to an end in 2011, but it also is the first time in history that here in the United States that a private company will be involved so heavily in sending NASA astronauts into space. Think what you want about Elon Musk, and we have heard a lot. Uh, we have heard a lot about Elon Musk uh, recently. His attitude about how best to respond to the shutdown, uh, some of his uh, questionable practices in terms of business and manipulating share value and all that. You can think what you want, but one thing we do know is that he and his team have put us back on the map in terms of space dominance. Now we've got a little bit of catching up to do. It has been so, so long since we've been to the moon. We ought to get back there soon. And as Buzz Aldrin would remind us, we ought to get ourselves to Mars pretty soon. And that is the vision of Elon Musk. This morning he talked about uh, reigniting the dream of space. That has been my theme for the day. I want to share with you, too, something he said about the uniforms, about the spacesuits being worn uh, by those two American heroes right now who are probably being unstrapped from the seats in which they have been seated for the past few hours. Uh, well, he talks about their uniforms, the ones being worn right now by Robert Benkin and Douglas Hurley, two seasoned veterans of the NASA program. Elon Musk said that he had his own hand in designing them because he wanted them to look cool. Now, that might sound superficial, but he explained his attitude. He said he wanted to look cool so that young people who today are seeing the dawn of this partnership, this public-private partnership which is putting uh, men and women into space, he wants the young people, people like my little baby Piper, to look to those uniforms and to look to the accomplishments of these individuals and have a new dream within them be sparked. And if the uniform looks cool, <laughs> you might be all the more incentivized to seek out uh, a career in that field. Jim Bridenstine is the, the civilian boss over NASA, former member of Congress. He was a naval aviator, and he, this morning, speaking alongside Elon Musk, said this. He said that if he was able to be inspired and motivated by Tom Cruise and Top Gun to become a naval aviator then he expects that today's Tom Cruises, the Robert Benkins and the Douglas Hurleys, the two uh, who were set to blast off from U.S. soil and head off into outer space today, uh, and they'll likely do so on Saturday. If not, on the 31st, there's some time set aside for them. Uh, they are the next Tom Cruises, and they uh, will be the ones to inspire the next batch of astronauts. And I sure hope that's the case. I, I really, really do. I place great stock and value in the innovations and the developments and the advancement of technology, technology that you and I enjoy in our daily lives, cell phones and GPS and such like that, all to have come as byproducts uh, uh, from the advancement of space exploration, the Gemini program, the Apollo missions, all of those wonderful, wonderful missions, the inspiring missions the ones piloted by those with the right stuff. That's a book I'd recommend you read, The Right Stuff. It's about those early test pilots who went off and flew into space. Those daredevils. 
inspiring men and women, all of them. And I look forward to getting to know the history and the exploits of Robert Benkin and Douglas Hurley, the two being unstrapped from their capsule right now, the Crew Dragon capsule, perched atop the Falcon 9 rocket. Falcon comes from Millennium Falcon. Yeah, Elon Musk. (laughs) Millennium Falcon, the Falcon 9 rocket, which launches this whole apparatus up into outer space to dock with the International Space Station. Step one is blast off, as you know. Three, two, one, let's go. The first stage, the Falcon 9 rocket takes off. Then about two minutes and 44 seconds after liftoff, there is separation. The first stage of the rocket falls away. We'll get back to that in a second. And the second stage ignites. That travels on for some time. And then it's the Crew Dragon capsule. The last little bit, which is carrying those two astronauts. Which sets a course to the International Space Station, which when it gets close, will autonomously dock with the space station. And then goods and people can move freely between the capsule and the space station where these two astronauts will spend, it is expected, between uh, 30 and 119 days. Then they'll get back in the capsule and they'll return to Earth. Being replaced by another crew brought to the International Space Station through this public-private partnership between SpaceX and NASA. Now back to that first stage for a moment. You remember a few years ago when we started seeing uh, there was some footage from SpaceX about these rockets that would launch and then they would come back to Earth and these four legs would stretch out and a rocket would fire and it would back down and it would land exactly on an X. The first few had some troubles but they got it sorted out and it's expected that either on Saturday or Sunday whenever the weather permits that when these two astronauts blast off into space and they are no longer needing the services of the first stage of that Falcon 9 rocket, that it will fall back to Earth and that by design it will land safely on a barge autonomously piloted out in the ocean outside of Florida where it can be used again. Another innovation. Another fascinating and inspiring innovation. I hope that as you've been listening to me uh, walk through some of the details and uh, some of the developments surrounding this mission, SpaceX and NASA's Demo-2 mission, a new leap forward they call it, that you have reignited a little bit your dream of space. On Saturday, it's expected that the, the countdown will begin anew. And if the weather allows, unlike today, if the weather allows then this rocket will launch and history will be made and my dream of space will be reignited. I invite you to tune in. We'll broadcast it here on the radio, of course. Follow all the coverage. Do what you can to get to know these astronauts and all their training and experience and what they hope to accomplish on this mission. It's inspiring stuff. I'm inspired and I hope you are as well. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about SpaceX, the launch, what it means, how it came to be. I'll walk through something called an infographic. That's all ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. 
And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. You heard the news. The launch is scrubbed, postponed maybe to Saturday, maybe to Sunday. Uh, I'm bummed, but as I had a few moments there in the commercial break to think about it, this might be okay for me. Well, I don't know. I, I, I do know that I was very much looking forward to sharing this moment with you today and narrating for you the, the history that I was watching here on my screen and talking to you about all the important things that will come from uh, this launch, all the implications of uh, what we can do in the future and how we can expand our reach out into outer space and blah, blah, blah. But then during the commercial break, it dawned on me that if it's Saturday... If it's Saturday, I'll be able to watch this event uh, curled up on the couch with my wife and brand new daughter. And that means something to me. I'll tell you a little bit of uh, Lonsberry family, how we're raising the baby stuff. And it is, you know, she's only six months old. And so, you know, we read some kind of smart doctor book, which tells us, you know, we ought to uh, really not expose them to screens for for some time i think i think maybe two years old so for the next eighteen months or so i'm gonna have to guard her from the screens i'm gonna after the show today i'm gonna ask my wife if it's okay with her that we let little piper watch tv for just a just a just a maybe ten seconds ten nine eight seven six five four three two one blast off i'd like her to see that now she of course won't remember it but in my estimation what we are on the dawn of witnessing or what we are <clears throat> almost ready to witness here in the launch of this crew dragon atop the Falcon 9 rocket truly is history being made. Never has a private company been so involved <clears throat> in sending man to space. The, 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 the future will be different now because of this. Trust me. It's not just SpaceX, you know. You know, Jeff Bezos has his own efforts along these lines. Who's the rich British guy, Virgin Airlines? Branson, Richard Branson? Yeah, he's got his sights set on space as well. And they are all smart and well-resourced individuals. Competing with one another. And competition is so, so good. Competition is how we get to excellence. In fact, I bet you if we reached out to Robert Benkin and Douglas Hurley, those are the two astronauts right now, probably uh, losing their, their spacesuits, the ones they've been sitting in for hours now in the seats of the, of the space capsule. <clears throat> they've been competing all their lives to be the best to be excellent in their fields, to be excellent during their military service and in their time as NASA astronauts. We have, you know, through movies and documentaries and books and interviews, we have come to know that the life of a NASA astronaut is not easy. There are physical tests and challenges uh, placed before these astronauts, or these astronaut candidates at least, and it is only the best of the best of the best, the ones with the right stuff that are able to emerge. I want my little baby daughter to see that, and I think maybe this being postponed until Saturday will give me uh, just a better shot 
uh, of being able to sit on the couch next to her and point up at the big TV screen and say, hey, look at there, Piper. That's human excellence. That's American excellence. We're going to space. And you can dream that big. You know, you can dream of space. As Elon Musk said this morning, we are, through this endeavor, attempting to reignite the dream of space. I hope he's right. I hope he's right. All right, so that's the touchy-feely stuff. Now let's get to some details. What is Crew Dragon? You've heard this phrase back and forth uh, over the broadcast here this morning. Crew Dragon, that's the top part. That's the top, uh, that's the part, the pointy parts, the very tip top of the rocket. CNN described it as a gumdrop shape. It's a capsule. It's about 13 feet in diameter. And it has, it has space for seven seats. Only two seats occupied during this mission, but it ultimately is designed to hold seven individuals. And for the first time, and for the first time, in a capsule like this being launched from the United States, actually from anywhere in the world, there is a dramatic difference in the way that the astronauts manipulate the controls. And this will sound silly, you know, because you and I have tablets and cell phones and it's all touchscreen manipulated. This will be the first time that touchscreen controls are, have the, the predominant presence there in the cockpit. I was lucky enough this morning to get a little look inside the cockpit, and there are some analog switches here and there, but they are sparse. What the astronauts look at as they sit side by side are, for the most part, three giant computer screens, touch screens. The one in the center lists the protocols. You do this, and then you do this, and you check this, and if it checks out, you do this, and then you do that, and then when we get to zero, <laughs> blast off. NASA and space travel and the life of an astronaut is one made of checklists and protocols and procedures. And that's on display right there in the center. And then each of the two astronauts have directly in front of them, aligned with that center screen, are two screens for each of them. They have their respective duties and their respective checklists themselves to run through and make sure that this system is go and that system is go and that this uh, sensor is reading within the, the parameters and with, within the tolerances, keeping an eye on the vital signs of one another, making sure that they can withstand the G-forces, which will hit them like a truck when the countdown gets to zero. And then they blast off. That's the Crew Dragon. That's the capsule. That is the one piece that will be nearly the permanent companion of the astronauts as they travel into space and the various stages of the rocket fall away beneath them. It will ultimately be the Crew Dragon, which will autonomously connect with the International Space Station. The astronauts will spend some time in the space station, and when it is ready here on Earth for another crew to launch and replace them, these two astronauts will climb back into the Crew Dragon, the gumdrop-shaped capsule. It'll break away from the space station and commence its descent back to Earth. When it gets close, some parachutes will deploy, ultimately it'll land in the ocean, just off the coast of Florida. And they'll be recovered by a ship, and they'll come back, and they'll debrief, and they'll be heroes. And I will do everything I can to get them interviewed on this radio program. Producer Amy, you hear that? We've got a job to do. We need to connect with astronauts. We've done it already. 
You know that? You remember? It was in, in April. April 16th. Ricky Arnold. Remember that name? He joined us for, for two reasons, really. First off, uh, this was right when we were learning that we were going to become isolated creatures for a while because of this coronavirus. Astronaut Ricky Arnold, he spent some time on the International Space Station. He knew about isolation. He shared with us some of his lessons. He was also a teacher. And as the students here in Utah and around the country found themselves engaged in distance learning, it was astronaut Ricky Arnold uh, who gave them some advice here on these airwaves. Now, why do I bring up Ricky Arnold? Well, because he's an astronaut, and he's the only one I've ever spoken to here on this program, and so why not? But he does occupy an interesting position in this whole storyline. You've heard uh, me and Maria Chaleos and everyone covering this story here today pointing out that what was slated to take place today and will likely happen on Saturday was for the first time Americans would launch in an American vehicle from American soil into space. The last time that happened was during uh, the shuttle era. One of the last shuttles was made up of a crew. One of those crew members was astronaut Ricky Arnold. One of the last times he was in space, he had to do things in a much different fashion. He had to fly off to Russia, learn a little bit of Russian, meet his comrades out there, and the United States government had to buy him a ticket to ride, to ride in a Soyuz rocket and get himself to the International Space Station. We don't need to do that anymore. We are on our own two feet once again. We've got some ground to gain still. Uh, we've fallen a bit, but we're going to get back to space. We're going to do it with American technology. We're going to do it from American soil. We're going to get back to the moon, and we're going to follow the demands of Buzz Aldrin, and we're going to get ourselves to Mars. Because today, the dream of space has been reignited. I can't wait for Saturday. Going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking about proxy voting. Less exciting than rocket and space travel, but important nonetheless. Congressional proxy voting. Thumbs up or thumbs down. We'll debate it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.